Sorry about that. What the fuck it is, y'all? Third Coast Space Radio, Season 2, Episode 20. You already know what it is. It's your boy's Metaphysic. And this is Kid Luna. And we came here today, season finale, Grand Sauce Boss Sauce status. We got your boys Distant and Thick Boy up in here, and shit's about to get grimy. So without further ado, buckle up, bitches. Let's get to it.
pleasure.
but this motel more like a hell no tell, you know what I'm saying? It's fucking scary Busey up in here. Even ghosts be like, we the fuck out?
kids are drinking beer. I need you to come pick me up. was absolutely phenomenal super hardcore heavy bass vibes just what we needed for the season finale uh we got my boy mclean on here otherwise known as distant say what's up to the people yo yo what's up people it's a pleasure to be here it's a pleasure to be on third coast bass but yeah yo so let's just go ahead and pop right into it man who's mclean who's distant tell me your background tell me a little bit about yourself where you from I'm from Lafayette, Indiana. I'm actually like uh, longtime homies with uh, our, our homie uh, Without that you just uh, did a mix with recently. Um, and now I'm living in Chicago, just uh, trying my best to you know make the stuff I like to make. Nice, nice. Um, so your music's pretty heavy. Um, where, where, where's your musical background from? Do you have any uh, previous musical um, experience? Where, where's your musical history from? <laughs> um, uh, from way back in the day. Um, I don't really know exactly where it comes from, but I know that I used to like just go to like a lot of like hardcore shows, uh, a lot of like pop punk stuff uh, in Lafayette, and I think that's kind of where it comes from. Just kind of in your face stuff, having a good time, jump around with your homies kind of stuff. Nice. Um, so where... So you said you, you know, you had a little classical training with the cello. Um, did that kind of teach you music theory in itself? Um, what, what was the evolution from being a, um, instrumentalist into, you know, creating electronic music? Um, I think it definitely, it definitely bridged the gap as far as like learning the basics. Um, I feel like a lot of people struggle with like, you know, what notes work together, like how to fan key, like whenever I was playing cello, I could tell, um, you know, it, it, it gave me the ability to hear what things work well together and what things don't. So I think that was amazing. And then, yeah, I wish I still had a cello, by the way. <laughs> Interesting. You know, it's funny. Every time I ask, whenever someone's like, you know, I was, I played an instrument before, Usually it's like, you know, they kind of they don't really play that instrument like me. I used to play the trumpet and I'm like, damn, I really wish that I kept 
that up consistently, you know, like the, I think the knowledge that we would have would be completely just much more expanded and much more profound, you know? <laughs> right. So where did, where did the moniker distant come from? Where did that, how did that come into creation? Like, where's the origin story on that? Um, so the origin for that, honestly, um, after March hit and everything closed down in Chicago, um, I was bored and I wasn't making music for a while because I, I'm, I'm a chef here in the city. Um, chef pays way better than being a musician. So <laughs> I did that. And then once I had a lot of time on my hands, um, I created Distant and I had no name for it for the longest time. Um, but then I was like, okay, uh, social distance, distant, distant, whatever came up. So, um, that was awesome. It's such a new project really. Cause I was like spider hunters first and then like burner and then came up with this one. So like when I came up with this mix, I only had like maybe 10 tracks since I started like, like making music for this project. So mm-hmm. It was a tough one, but yeah, distance, just uh, honestly because of (laughs) COVID-19. Nice. Yeah. And I was going to ask you too about like, you know, whether or not you had previous monikers and things like that. So this, this project was pretty much entirely inspired by the COVID pandemic or the moniker at least. What about the soundscape? Yeah. So like everything, uh, so the first EP I put out was entirely just because like, it was just the way that. I felt in March and April, I was so ready to get back to work and I was just so bored and it said from the dark. So my first EP was called from the dark. And I mean, that was fully inspired by just like, just honestly my like crumbling relationship I had with this girl and then uh, moving out and then kind of moving back in with my parents and stuff. It was uh, a crazy time, but yeah, it, it grew out of that. Nice. Interesting. You know, I think 2020, well, like when March hit, because January and February, everyone was like fucking super excited for 2020. Everything is about to pop off. But like right around the end of February, mid-February, whole month of March and then the rest of the year was just complete garbage for everyone. I think it was one of the most trying years for everybody. And it's um, yeah. very, very, uh, it's just not even a word for that bullshit. But hopefully it's a new year try and get a little bit better even though we already fucking up but hey <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> but um yeah, yeah you know, we're gonna do our best you know sometimes you trip and uh, you get right back up that's what you gotta do you know i used to have this saying you know sometimes you fall face first in the dirt and you just gotta eat that shit and get up and keep moving you know amen amen that's what's up i like that for sure. So let's ha- let's jump into your music. Let's talk about your mix. Um, you said when the moniker, when you first started the Distant Project, you only had, you know, a couple of tracks. Um, and I know we had spoken about you being on the podcast that month, and it's been shit almost a year since we've last spoke. But um, yeah. where did that track selection come from out of your mix, like out of all the tracks that you've created? Um, let's talk about that. Um, so... The track selection basically came out of, I wanted it to like start a little more seriously and then um, end like a little bit more like fun. Um, so like a lot of like my tracks have like samples and stuff like that from like different vines from back in the day or like TikToks or something. And I tried so hard to make them serious and then I end up just making like a joke out of the track basically. Um, I, don't, I don't know, but the, the track selection, I made this like little classical piece in the first part and this more chill, like, dubstep drop, and then, it, and then it's, like, very abrupt in 
into like another banger. So um, I don't know. I just try to keep the flow right. Yeah, no, it was definitely a. One thing I love about, um, you know, just bass music in general is just the energy that it gives. So I'm listening to this shit and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, it's funny because I'm like, all right, now it's time to download this shit. And the download button wasn't working. I was like, damn it, I need this now. And you're like, <laughs> but it was super good, super good. But um, so let's talk about like your track, um, the, the sound design of it. Um, what inspires distance sound design in itself? Honestly, so like the the thing that inspires me the most, and it sounds weird, but I just like I have these. All right, it sounds crazy, but I have these super vivid dreams every night. It's nuts, and um, so those are basically the inspiration behind the sound design of everything. It's like the sounds that I hear, I'm basically just trying to like recreate that dream in a, in a song, which is nuts. It sounds like that loud, but not at all. Not at all. Uh, it's kind of like your muse. Let me ask you, do you like smoke or drink or anything like that? Yeah, I drink. Yeah. Okay. I don't smoke at all. I- I feel like I missed out on that. <laughs> so I'm like kind of the opposite. I stopped drinking. And once I stopped drinking after New Year's, like my dreams got a lot more vivid. But I remember when I would be kind of like tripping on shrooms or acid or whatever, I would have these like intense like audio hallucinations and I would yeah. want to recreate that. So I definitely understand what you're saying. It doesn't sound crazy at all. That's that's interesting. Do you hell have yeah, yeah. do you have any well, like uh, go ahead? Oh no, go ahead. You got it. No, I was gonna say like what or is there a particular like artist that kind of like created that um, inspiration for you to head in that particular direction for the distant project and for that sound design? Um, at first it was Eprom, for sure. I wanted to make that sort of music so bad. But it just wasn't coming out the way I wanted it to, so it like I kind of like came back to my roots a little bit. But it was definitely Eprom, Shade, like when it, like uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, live streams that came out then. I think it was Digital Mirage Eprom set was like, all right, cool, I'm doing I'm doing this right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the inspiration, and it's so far away from that now. <laughs> but that was the inspiration. I love Eprom. Like, I will go to the end of the world to see, see that guy play. Yeah, man. He's uh, Every time I see him at, during the set, it's always just mind-boggling. Him and G. Jones, they're both really, really fucking oh, good. yeah. Super good. Yeah. So what was, what was like, what, okay, before you were listening to electronic music, were you listening to, like, what were you listening to before? Or did you start off with electronic music? No, I found electronic music in like 2008, and everybody called me uh, like names for it <laughs> in high school. They just thought it was ridiculous. But before then, it was a lot of like like um, pop punk. Um, I, I don't even know the names of some of these guys from back then. Um, a lot of like hip hop, a lot of instrum- instrumental stuff. Do you remember like Muska Beats? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chad Muska, Muska Beats. I thought that was like the dopest thing ever. I, I thought those instrumental like hip hop tracks were just like the coolest thing in the world. And um, I think that that was like the, like, I still listen to it, but that was like the pinnacle of like my high school life. I, I was listening to that all the time. Everybody called me names and shit. So. Right. So was it was it seeing EPROM for the first time where you were like, all right, this is it? Or was it like, what, what was the. Yeah, the start of you saying, hey, electronic music might be my jam. 
nothing. It wasn't even a show. I found a Captain Rusko track on LimeWire in 2008. <laughs> nice. And I found it completely on accident. It was actually like labeled Led Zeppelin, like Stairway to Heaven. And then <laughs> it wasn't, obviously. It was Captain Rusko I later found out. And I thought it was the coolest thing I had ever heard my whole, whole life. And um, it took me a while. It took me until after like I graduated high school to like start making music and you know get my first like doll and everything like that and like went through like logic i didn't start with like fruity loops uh, unfortunately it looks like an amazing program but started with logic and then tried to learn ableton and that was just the, the beginning of the end 2011 2012 nice yeah i was gonna ask you so i guess we can just go ahead and jump into that so you said you started, you never learned Fruity Loops, but you were learning Logic. So are you more proficient now with Ableton? Oh, much more, much more. Yeah, I haven't touched Logic in a long time. Right. And Ableton's workflow is just so, so much easier for me to like get a hold of. And I had like great people around me to like teach me everything too. So, and they all had Ableton. Cool. So what what is what do you feel about like DAWs in themselves? Do you feel like they're like just a tool, or do you feel like the DAW each DAW kind of does things a little bit differently, and you can use them in different you know manners? I think that, that they're, they're they're all tools, of course, but um, they're also very similar. I feel like you can get the same exact product out of all the DAWs but some of them just work better for different people's like workflows, different people's like way about going through like their post-processing and stuff like that. So I think that like all the dogs are, are essentially the same. It's just the person that's using them. Nice. I'll take that. So what's your go-to in Ableton? Like when you open up Ableton, what's your go-to whenever you're, you know, designing sound or something like that? What's your go-to BST? Or you, do you use like a hardware synth? What's your go-to, like what's in every single track in a distant project? My, my go-to, I, I, I love Serum and I go straight to that. And I will honestly build a sound before I ever build the track which has been, like, honestly pretty helpful, I think. It's nice to, like, kind of just mess around, jam a little bit, and steer them, and then, like, kind of, like, just set the record button, and then, like, with, like, you know, eight bars, just record a little bit, record a little bit, change it up, change it up, change it up, and then I'll, like, get that, and I'm like, okay, that's a drop down, and then I'll move, like, to the intro, which is, like, I, I feel like a lot easier to make, especially in dubstep. You know, it's, uh, it's not, not too difficult, but... Yeah. Uh, serum would be my go-to number one, open it up, get Serum. Nice. Yeah, man, I, I definitely enjoy Serum, especially when I want to make like some crunchy bass noises and then I'll like throw an isotope trash on top of that and fuck it up some more. Um, did you hear yeah. about, did you hear about Serum 2.0? What do you think about that? Are you gonna, you gonna try and cop that? Um, I've not heard about it until now, but I want it immediately. Yes. Yeah, um, so Steve was on, uh, Steve, dude, I think he was on Mr. Bill's podcast and he was talking about a super major update to, uh, to the serum. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like at this point, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can give any more money to anybody because damn it, these computers can do everything at this point. Well, how much better can the, how much better can the synth get? Jesus Christ. Right, like it was already, it already still was like one of the top things, and now now they're gonna do it better. He's like, yeah, I'm coming out with another one. I need more money. 
this vacation home is costing shit. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I'm probably going to check like it out, though. Like <laughs> I said, I'm likely going to check it out, though, just to make sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> unfortunately for my wallet, I'm going to get that. No, dude, I think Splice changed the game when they hit that uh, that rent to own shit. I was like, yo, this is a uh, this is it right here. Honestly, I hope they do that with yeah. the 2.0. Honestly. Mhm. Yeah. No, I I'm not taking advantage of uh, that option yet, but I think that it's coming up. I think that that will happen this year. So let's uh, let me ask you, and this is a new question that I um, been asking everyone on this season. Um, did you start off as a as a producer or were you more DJ inclined when you were like in the when you first, you know, dipped your toes into the electronic music world as far as like being your own creative artist? Um, sorry, hit me with that one more time. So when you first started, you know, you were like, all right, I'm going to be in the electronic scene as an artist. Did you begin as a DJ or a producer? It was just a much easier way to get in. And um, in Lafayette, with Lafayette at Purdue, it's like kind of, it's easy to get a show booked and you don't have to have any music. Um, it's like, especially with College Town, you know, DJs kind of run the game. And if like you tell somebody you produce, it's just like, all right, cool, but can like can you can you bring people to like this uh, show or whatever? So um, out of necessity, DJing came first. Um, and then afterwards, you know, I started producing, what, 2012, 2013. Interesting. So do you think one should be perfectly skilled at both before, like, actually jumping into the scene? Or do you think, like, one kind of goes hand in hand? I know with you it said it was more so kind of the scene was already, you know, more popular towards the DJs, more geared towards the DJs than the producers. What do you, what do you feel about that? Do you feel like you should have your own original tracks before you spin? How do you feel about that? Um, I think that you should just do what you love the most right off the bat. Like if, if the producing is very difficult for you, but you still want to be in, in the music industry, you should always be able to like DJ and get that part going and everything like that. You know, I feel like it's a lot of like, gatekeeping some people like yes. hate on DJs for not making music and they hate on producers for not DJing and you're just like dude just have a good time just do whatever you want to do and if you're good at it then just keep doing it and then you'll, maybe you'll produce or maybe you'll start DJing you know in the future I think that's totally fine yeah definitely and you hit the nail on the head as far as the whole gatekeeper mentality like that shit is played out it's ridiculous yeah like I understand but I don't understand at the same time like fucking get off your high horse <laughs> right yeah just literally you're, you're trying too hard just have a good time we're all here to have a good time it's music just just dance and smile you know what I mean yeah definitely do what you love you guys hear that shit do what you love Fuck the haters. All right, yeah, so let's let's jump into. Um, I got a couple of personal questions, um, or more philosophical personal questions. However, you want to um, envision that. Um, but I'll always ask these. I've been asking these since the uh, the very first episode. But um, as far as being an artist in the electronic scene, um, do you feel that um, you know living this lifestyle? Um, and being in this scene has taught you something that you probably wouldn't have learned otherwise. 
Um, yeah, definitely. I feel like um, you don't you don't need to go out every night. Um, you also don't need to like always be around somebody that you would really like to be around. Like say like you want to be around somebody for a show somewhere, you don't always need to be next to them. You don't have to do that. Um, I think that's like the biggest thing that that I've learned through like the music industry and to honestly just do what you love. Um, if you want to like put on dubstep shows, put on dubstep shows. Don't don't go and like do some shit just because you think it's going to get you some some plays or 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 ticket sales or whatever. You know, it's funny that you say that because. When I first started in this shit, um, there were a couple of promoters that were like, you know, hey, um, we, you know, we're, we're, we want to give you some exposure, but you have to do all this side shit. Now, do I get paid? Right. No, but yeah. you get exposure, blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting how like that kind of happens. And when you first start, you kind of like you get sucked into that. You're like, well, let's, you know, if this is the only way. But once you kind of have that mindset of, you know what, fuck this, I'm kind of just going to do what I want. And then I, I believe that's when people start to notice you and that's when people start to reach out to you to book you and to actually right. pay you for things like that. You know, um, we, we definitely fall into a weird cycle in this industry. And um, I hope we get out of that shit really soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping so, too. Yeah, it's just it's, it's tough. There's a lot of like things like you should do and people ask you to do and you're just like this is ridiculous like I'm just jumping through hoops for you to like give me a you know a four o'clock spot at a show that starts at seven so yeah and a couple of drink tickets appreciate it yeah <laughs> thank you thank you for driving four hours and you're like wow <laughs> Man, it's wild. All right, so let's talk about what you got going on here in the future. I know 2020 pretty much shit on everyone, but it's New Year. You know, we got we got dreams and hopes. So what what does Distant got going on? You got some shows, maybe some streams, some new music. What do you got going on? I've definitely got a bunch of new music. I've been holding on to a bunch of tracks. Um, all of them are in the mix um, for the new year. Um, nothing as far as like shows, streams. I'd love to do them, but like I said, I, I was texting actually before this. My laptop was just I updated to the new OS, and I'm just having a horrible time with it. So everything's kind of on hold right now. I'm gonna try and figure that out tomorrow. But yeah, plenty of new music, plenty of streams. As long as I can get this bad boy to start working, and um, shows as soon as it's safe. I can't wait to start playing again. Nice. Yeah, dude, I'm uh, I'm waiting for it to for it like it's I need it to go into like level green where it's completely fine again. I mean, I know there's a lot of like underground shows and stuff, but I just I, I'm, I'm good on all that, you know, throwing shows and shit like that. Like I need it to be yeah. a OK again. And it's funny that you say that yeah. about your Mac, too. What did you update to the new Catalina or some shit? <laughs> Dude, I don't know what it is about Mac, but like when you update, it's just it's trash. I know I, I don't know what I updated to. I think it was Catalina, and then that pretty much removes like 32-bit support. So I'm like trying to use a shit ton of VSTs, and none of them are working. I'm like, oh my fucking god. Uh, yeah, no, dude, I 
it, when when I actually get the money, I'm gonna build a PC because that's that's really the only way to go at this rate. Yeah, I was talking to I was talking to without, and uh, they were saying they were saying just just build your own PC. Honestly, because like Mac is just ruining it right now. So I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go PC as soon as I can possibly afford it. Yeah, they really don't give a damn about, like, they're the artistic consumer. Like, bro, how are you going to remove every single individualistic port that I need and then be like, here's right. a here's a hub that you can pay $60 for? What the fuck? I don't understand. But that's, an- that's another conversation. <laughs> um, so, you know, I ask uh, everyone on the uh, podcast this as well. I know you got a bunch of producer friends and this... Uh, this is just a platform for me to discover every artist in the world. I want every artist to be on here at some point eventually. But um, if you could, yeah, sh- if you could shout out some uh, some you know producers on Third Coast, who would you shout out to be on some future episodes? This is the season finale, so we're probably going to take um, like a month break, and then we're going to book all these artists. But then season three, we plan to have most everyone that was shouted out on season two on season three. Um, <laughs> but if there's somebody I can shout out, some of the Chicago homies, um, I've got a homie named Real Rob. I wish that he would put out more music. Uh, he's got a bunch of great stuff. Um, uh, really close dude. But um, also Red. Um, I can send you all these ass after. Definitely. Red Acinelli, a homie, Argentinian homie. He came to Chicago. I met him. He's, he's putting out some incredible house music right now. Midnight N I I C K N I I C E Midnight is putting out some of the best house tracks I've ever heard. Chicago House, the guy's killing it right now. Okay. Um, Orville Klein does all my mastering, um, putting out some really good stuff um, and doing a lot of great work for a lot of other producers around here. Um, obviously, like he's, he's part of like the Porn and Chicken crew, um, but Orville is like the homie. I I I'd love to see him on this on this show for sure. Nice. Yeah, I think we threw a show with Porn and Chicken fucking way back in the gap. It was around Halloween in Texas. That fucking... Man, they throw the craziest shows. They fucking bring out the chainsaws and fucking blow up sex dolls and shit. I'm like, hey! It's wild, you know? Leave your cameras at home, man. (laughs) For real. (laughs) Shit was debaucherous, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, I used to go to, like, every Monday night, they used to have Porn and Chicken. I missed it so much here in Chicago. And I ended up getting to like play at the mid with them one night before they tore it down. And I was just was so stoked to like hang out with those guys. Nice. Yeah, I never even got to go to a Chicago show. I bet you them hoes were absolutely insane. Hey, hey, you're always welcome here. You hit me up and uh, I got a place for you. Deaf, man. Deaf. Um, so where can people find you on social media in case they want to look you up? The Distant Project. Um, you can find me on all the easiest socials. Um, I don't have a Discord or anything like that. I feel like uh, people keep talking about that lately. But uh, Twitter, Distant uh, Official, um, Instagram, Distant underscore Official, Facebook, Distant Official, DSTNT. Yeah, you can find me on, you know, all the easy stuff. Nice. Yeah, dude, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of just like, I'm too old. Like, I'm like a little bit over that gap where I'm like, 
Like, I'm good. I'm just, I need a, like an Instagram, a Twitter, and that's about it, really, and a SoundCloud and a Spotify. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with the new stuff. TikTok, I, I have no clue what to do. I'm 29. I miss that. <laughs> um, I wish Vine was still around. I miss you, Vine, RFI Vine. Exactly. I'm the same age and I'm like, I we're we're a little bit like a little bit over the cusp where we can kinda like see what's going on, but we don't got time for that shit. We're a little bit too old, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I, I missed it a little bit, but I'm, I'm not even that bad that I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yo, McLean, I wanna thank you so much for being on Third Coast Base Radio. Um, really appreciate your time. Um, and this is the moment right here where I allow you to say your final thoughts to whoever's listening. If there's an up and coming producer, your friends, your family members, whoever's listening to this podcast right now, here's your time to, you know, spit some final words of wisdom. Oh, if I had some final words of wisdom, I'd say you better watch out for Nick Nice. I think that's the next Chicago guy to really hit it big. Um, also, you know, check me out on Twitter or, uh, Twitch all the T's, the, the Twitters and Twitches, and, uh, you know, I'm going to do some streaming as soon as I can figure this lap stuff, laptop stuff out, and I can't wait to see everybody back again once it's safe. Damn right, man. Yo, McLean, I really appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your time, bro. Hell yeah, thank you so much. Huh? <laughs> Well, I never expected I'd see you again. Back from the dead, Mogan.
She keeps me about this, she keeps me about that. My boy will beat me on fucking slam around. They say don't be niggas put on no work. Shut the fuck up! Y'all don't say no shit! All you motherfuckers talk about, she keep ain't no hitter, she keep ain't this, she keep a fake. Shut the fuck up! Y'all don't deal with that nigga. Y'all know that nigga got caught with a ratchet. She get the police and shit. Nigga been on probation since fucking. I don't know when. Motherfucker, stop fucking playing him like that.
my doubt, he gon' sit down and diss it. Call him a trick and he gon' get a color. Bitch, I'm a star, I got these niggas wishing. He say he hungry, this pussy the kitchen. Yeah, that's my doubt, he gon' sit down and diss it. Call him a trick and he gon' get a big He know I'm giving his money to Megan. He know it's very expensive to date me. Tell him go put my name on that account because when I need money, I ain't tryna pull up. He know he giving his money to Megan. He know it's very expensive to date me. Tell him go put my name on that account because when I need money, I ain't tryna pull up.
head out. Ah, I needed some shit with some bobbin. Go. I was messing with that blunt in my mouth. I was swerving that whip out of cop in it. My bitch got your pussy slaughtered across the country. I finished the show and I hop in it. I got me a minute. I did it to I'm still with the shit. I'm a hot nigga. Oh, you asking for pictures with niggas? What's your name? Get the fuck out of the spot, nigga. I'm a nigga who's dealing with the tape. I woke up a couple meal on my plate. I'm invested in real in the state. I just went and gave my mama a hundred and a hundred. Probably won't hit me up in my mouth. Bless you, nigga. We talk about violence so much. Let's go. I found that I flipped it. I'm a little bit different. They get it. Stick on the bitches you get Tryna find out why baby ain't all in the mansions She ain't get no DM from me This rich nigga dick it ain't free She be throwing that ass and she good at it Turn around with the fuck make a look at it uh, She like ha. And I ooh was super sex super sex sauce i really appreciate it we got your boy thick boy aka connor eldridge on the line say what's up to the people yo what's going on y'all third, uh, third coast radio thanks for having me y'all yo man thank you so beat. much <laughs> third coast base radio yeah man thank you so much for being here i really appreciate you taking your time um so we'll just go ahead and jump right into it man um tell me a little bit about yourself who's connor um what's your background story where are you from yeah, man. So uh, I'm from born and raised St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, lived there up until about a year ago when I moved to Texas. But uh, I was there pretty much my whole life. I played a bunch of sports growing up and just kind of lived the, I don't know, maybe not normal, but just, a, you know, kind of an average life. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. St. Louis, Missouri. Like, is that? I'm. I'm not familiar with that area at all. Um, because I'm more West Coast. But uh, is oh, that yeah, more, is that more on the eastern side, right? Uh, St. Louis is. It's. It's the easternmost city in Missouri. It's the gateway to the West. It's a big. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure it's bigger than Kansas City, but it's, you know, one of the bigger two cities in Missouri. Um. I mean, pretty much the whole story with St. Louis is, is that's the murder cap. So <laughs> had to deal with that. Had to deal with that growing up. It's uh, St. Louis was a rough place, but uh, I think it kind of it, it molded me into a, into the guy I am today. So I appreciate being from St. Louis. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, man. Um, so being from St. Louis, like where where does your uh, musicality, your musical background, come into play? Were you classically trained? Um, what what's the story behind that? Yeah, so uh, when I was little, I, I don't 
remember how exactly how old, but my uh, my dad's mom got me into playing piano. She had a piano, and so she put me in piano lessons. <clears throat> and so very early on in my piano lessons, I was still a little kid at the time, but I, I, my mom noticed that I would never read the music that I was given. I would just play the songs when I got home. And so she asked my teacher one day, finally, you know, like, don't play it. Make him just read the music and play it to you. So we kind of learned when I was really young that I, even though I didn't know how to read music, I play exceptionally well by ear. Nice. So uh, throughout my whole life, I picked up guitar and I would just like go from Guitar Hero playing, you know, whatever songs were on Guitar Hero and pick up my guitar and just start shredding. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I picked up saxophone in uh, in middle school and I played uh, tenor sax for a while and then <clears throat> slowly transitioned over to uh, production after I played a couple of years of football in college, and after that, I switched over to producing. Man, super hardcore. So um, without getting too much into it, do you feel that having all of that um, instrumentality, I don't even know if that's a fucking word, but that, you know, having, being able to play instruments, musicality with instruments, you know, do you believe that kind of gave you an upper edge when it kind of comes to like, you know, production? Personally, yeah, I really do. And I, and I think I have a different aspect on it because I think a lot of producers, you know, they think it makes you a better producer if you're really versed in theory and like, you know how to read music and all, and all that good stuff. And, and to an extent, I do know how to do that. But I think knowing how to play by ear has almost made me a better producer because with collabs and stuff like that, I don't have to worry about what key something's in. I just sit down and start working. Nice. That's super awesome. So, Thick Boy, where did that moniker come from? What was the, the spark and creation behind that? It's a, it's a pretty funny one. I like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thick, Thick Boy's got a pretty interesting origin story. It was uh, before I got to producing EDM, I was a rapper, and I went by nine twice. My college football number was 99, so I went by nine twice, and... That stuck around for a while, and then, man, I, 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 I shit you not, Fortnite season one. I was playing <laughs> Fortnite with one of my with one of my best friends, Malik, right when that when that first came out, and you still had redeploy. So he was over on the other side of the, you know somewhere getting shot at, and I was like, I'm on my way, bro. I'm flying over, and all, all of a sudden through the headset, he goes, "Thick boy inbound," <laughs> and from that day forward. From, from that day forward, it just stuck, man. I changed my Twitter handle like a day after that, and I have not looked back. <laughs> nice. He was like, this is it. Yeah, no, man, I really like it. It's a, it's a, it's a very fun one. I, I really love hearing the origin stories, too, because it's always, it can be like something completely deep and philosophical, or it can be just something, you know, simplistic and just fun and creative, you know? Man. Fortnite, Fortnite with the homies, and he just, he said, Thick Boy, and I was like, I kind of like that, and I, and I knew, you know, you're on social media too, so certain, certain words and trends and stuff send this, tend to stick with people, and I mean, Thick is always one of those things that everybody's talking about, so I was like, I know this will grab people's attention. <laughs> right. Man, fucking Fortnite, dude. And it's funny because I was I played like season one through four, but Jesus Christ, man, I like I picked it up with my cousin recently. I don't there's so much shit going on and they just yeah. they're on a completely different level. I'm like, I'm man. I'm clearly out the game at this point. Jesus Christ. A whole new level. See, me me and my boy Malik, we were the same way. We played early seasons and we were really good and we'd rack up wins and stuff. And I feel like what happened is the the kids got a hold of Fortnite. Yeah. Uh, Gen, Gen Z, Gen Z got a hold of Fortnite, and then it, it kind of it walked 
washed out. And then, you know, now I get killed and I'm throwing my controller like that was a 10 year old that just killed me. <laughs> exactly. Pissed off, like. Some bull, man. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and jump right into uh, your mix, man. It was super fucking dope. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the aggressiveness and the sound design behind it. Um, a, a lot of angry sampling that I really appreciated. I think there was one track that had fucking Trailer Park Boys in it and I lost it because that's like one of my favorite fucking um, like episodes or like comedy shows, period, honestly. Yeah, me too. I'm a huge fan of Trailer Park Boys. Nice. So where did, um, let's talk about your track selection and, and uh, your music. Let's, let's get into your mix a little bit. Yeah, so uh, for this mix, this was actually my first time doing something all original. I have a lot of homies around me that are super talented, and I'm typically very eager to play out their music as well. But for this one, I kind I mainly wanted to showcase unreleased stuff because I feel like it's it's just been recently, within the last three four months, that I've really found my sound. I think and gotten to a level in production that I'm happy with because there there are some songs that I made before that are you know like. When I listen to it now, I'm like, okay, this is this is a good song, but it just pr- production-wise wasn't where I wanted it to be yet. So I feel like for this mix, I kind of tried to go through my discography and grab all those tracks, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the way this one sounds, and just drop them in there and see how it worked. I'm also a big fan of hip-hop. As I, I grew up on hip-hop, and hip-hop doubles are something that I do a lot live and in streams and stuff, so I incorporated that still into this mix. I think it worked well with my own tunes. I don't I don't do it as often with my songs, but I think it still turned out pretty good. Nice. Yeah, man, I, I highly enjoyed it. It was really good. Um, so, and like you were saying, that you, you're kind of, you, you finally found your sound, which I could actually, you know, clearly hear. So let's talk about that. Well, who who inspires your, your soundscape? What, um, what, you know, inspires that, I guess, that sound design scape that you choose? Yeah, I would say, oh, there's a letter. Particularly uh, just sound design, I would say Ganja White Knight, man, is a huge inspiration for me. Ganja White Knight has some of the just, I mean, most intense, growly sound design in the game ever. And it, that's that's one of my favorite artists of all time. And then more recently, because I kind of make deep dub, I make a lot of 140, you know, left field experimental bass type stuff. And Angelic Root, who's another guy that just has those disgusting growls and vocal like where the music only almost sounds like it's something talking to you and that was something that i kind of wanted to try to bring into my music too because coming from hip-hop my flow has a lot of it comes from a vocal place so being able to make sounds that almost sound like organic is something that i really try to do nice yeah i I definitely got a a heavy tendency to you know, want to break my damn neck to those visceral wubs that you were giving me. It was really nice, really nice stuff, man. <laughs> so at what moment in your life did you feel like um, music production is the thing that you wanted to kind of focus on? Um, like this is, you know, something that you wanted to make your, I don't know if it is your focus, but right now it, it seems that way, correct? Yeah, no, definitely. I would say production is my focus uh, right now, for sure. And I, and I think that, that that started from my rap career, because I think when I was doing that, I you know, I would be in the studio with guys that were producing and not, you know, I was just rapping and getting to see them. Then finally, funny, actually, my, my boy Malik, the same one I was playing Fortnite with, uh, he made his own beats. And he just told me one day, he's like, man, you, you should start making your own beats to rap on because it would sound more like you. 
And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely feel that. I'll, I'll give it a try. So I actually started, man, I, I want to say 2016, end, end of 2016 or maybe beginning of 2017, making trap beats on my garage band on my cell phone. And wow. <laughs> nice. I, to, yeah. To, to this day, man, some of the some of the most fire like hip hop stuff that I've made has actually come off of a cell phone garage band program, which is pretty cool. But <laughs> Then, you know, I went to my first uh, festival. I got dropped right into a festival. I know a lot of people go to shows and stuff like that, but I, I had a friend take me to a festival, man, and that, that it changed my life. Seeing that different kind of music and seeing the way it made people move, I went back home the next day and was like, I'm not, no more, no more rap for me. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to make people move this way. And, and there's different, there's different kinds of music out there. Cause growing up, I mean, I had a huge diverse taste for music that I listened to and then being introduced to dubstep at a festival setting was just, it was unreal. Nice. What festival was it? <laughs> uh, it was in Bloom, in Bloom Festival. You're from Texas. It was in Houston. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it was in Houston. Yeah, it, it was It was fun. So it still had all the rap, you know, that's why I went, because my friend was like, you know, you, you can come and, you know, we can see Lil Uzi and 21 Savage and Lil Dicky and all these guys too. But then, I mean, Nightmare was there, Chromatics was there. Like, it was, it was, it was just a great time. Nice. That's super badass. Yeah, I think uh, mine was like I had a show. Uh, I was I went to go see Tiesto and that was it. But after that, my very first festival was fucking Tomorrow World in Georgia. And that shit was crazy, man. And I went there. We had like we brought our tent, a couple of bags of chips and like that's it, bro. And for Tomorrow World, we were completely fucking unprepared. But that That's festival, how you gotta com- do it. <laughs> bro. That festival changed my life. <laughs> that was w- Wakanfest. Uh, Wakanfest pre-COVID, just last year, twenty twenty. That was that was my first camping festival. And camping is a totally different thing too. That completely, that takes you to a whole other level. Completely it's different. Always, it's always beast. funny when you you know you're. Being a, a person that's in the EDM scene, trying to explain to someone that's not about a festival, and they, I, to them we just seem absolutely crazy. But it really is like a once in a lifetime thing. Anytime you get to go to one, for real, man, it it, it definitely changes lives for sure. Um, so let's let's talk about this. Um, being being a musical artist, um, music being your, I guess you know your focus or your passion, the way you creatively express yourself. Do you feel that? Um, being a musical artist has taught you something that you might not have learned otherwise. Yeah, man, this is a really good question. And listening to the other interviews, this was the one that I was kind of like most nervous for. <laughs> I think, I think having seen music too in, in a couple different genres, I think coming over and starting making dubstep, the one thing I learned is that there really are supportive people everywhere if you just look for them. And I mean, there's 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 terrible people everywhere too. But in the EDM scene, man, it's it's always been if you need some help, find somebody, hit somebody up, hit up twenty people. Somebody's gonna offer you some advice or offer you some feedback or find some way to try to help you. And I, I think I didn't get that always in hip hop. Hip hop's one of those scenes where it's kind of like everybody's in their own lane and you got to do your own thing and be really good at it. But it's not like that in dubstep. It's it's really cool getting to have you know a bunch of friends around you that'll offer you advice and just be there to help you out whenever you need it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there, you know, like you said, there's a bunch of people, you know, that have like the the gatekeeper mentality or things like that. But all in all, the, you know, the brass tacks of the, you know, electronic music community, we're all just good people and we all just want to have fun. And yeah, a lot of people are here to just look out for each other. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Agreed. And, and definitely, I think being in the underground, too, making weirder music, it's it's a smaller niche 
kind of genre in EDM. So everybody is looking out for everybody else because we all want to see each other come up. And I got so many homies that are on the now it's going on and it's it's great. But I, I don't think you can get that experience really anywhere else in life where there's not a lot of things in life where you can just kind of reach out to anybody and somebody would be like, well, no, this is what you should do to make this better. It's not it's not common sense outside of music, I don't think. Right. I agree with that. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the mind of a producer, you as a producer. Um, I know you said that you started, you know, with your, you know, kind of product with your productions on your phone on GarageBand. And it's funny because I've I've had that, you know, app on when I used to have an iPhone. It, you know, it's it would look like you'd be able to do some shit, but Jesus Christ, like it's, it was just so much work to try and piece things together. So how did you even manage that? And like, what's what's your favorite doll now? Yeah, man, GarageBand, as soon as I got, I, I use FL Studios now, I'll start with that. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of FL. I know everybody, everybody loves Ableton, but I'm, I'm a big FL fan because it's what I learned on. So I'm super comfortable in it. And I still feel like I, it's powerful enough for me to accomplish a lot of what I need to do without having to make that leap into Ableton. But GarageBand, man, you, you, you hit it off the head. It was like, you could make something GarageBand, but if you wanted it to sound good, it took a lot of effort messing around on your phone with sliders and different settings. I mean, it, it was it was definitely significantly more work than when you go into a DAW and it's like, oh, you mean I can just drop some reverb on this? <laughs> and that's it. Okay. Yeah, man, I'm like, shit, dude. I, I, I really tried to give it a go too because I think I had an I had an iPad for a little bit too. So I had GarageBand on there with like a a little Korg synth that I got for free. And it's like, you know, you can get musical ideas down really well, but as far as like just really trying to piece everything together and make it sound like a professional production, like man, good luck on it's on not my the tool end. For that. It's, it's really not the tool for that. And I made a tweet. I mean, it's probably been a year and a half now where I, I just got on my garage band on my phone one day when I was sitting at home and cause I had been talking to somebody and they were trying to convince me that I needed to buy more plugins and stuff. And that was going <laughs> to, you know, help level me up more. And so I just got hopped on garage band and made a little EDM track. I mean, in a couple hours posted on Twitter, I was like, look, whatever people are telling you, you got to go buy all these synths, You got to go buy them out the fanciest dog and the, you know, the high quality VSTs and all that you can, if you love music and you just want to express yourself and make a beat, just all you need is GarageBand on your phone. True. You can have some fun and make make some music. That's that's the best thing about music, man. Any, anybody can do it if you put your mind to it, I think. Yeah, I'll definitely take that. You guys hear that? Producers, listen to this motherfucker. <laughs> um, so let's talk about... This is a new question that I've kind of been um, asking people on this season. Um, were you more of a productionist first or did you delve more into like mixing before you started writing your own projects? I was uh, definitely a producer first. Okay. Um, and I think, I think sometimes I, I get into trouble on, on, on Twitter because usually when, when I, if I think of something, I just say it. I call it how I see it. That's, that's the way I look at the world. And so the whole DJ, this is another one of those questions that I was just super excited to get to. because <laughs> I, I, I literally had just been talking about this on Twitter. I think people think I don't like just DJs. And it's not that at all. I mean, music's all about expression. And I think even more so than production, you can express yourself on the board in a crazy way. You can make songs that other people made sound a way that they never could in that person's brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 
the I think I think the thing about that situation that that rubs me the wrong way is the the more so the fan reaction to it than the actual act of just being a DJ. Because and for me it's you know like like I said earlier I got so many homies man I could list all day all my guys that are every day busting out a brand new song that that they produce themselves and you know sometimes you don't get the eyes if that's what you're doing but if you're a guy who just grabs four songs that somebody else made and throws a little mix on the internet real quick a bunch of people jump all over it and i think that's the part that that rubs me the wrong way it's not it's not the fact that you know you're just a dj or you're just a producer whatever either way it's you're creatively expressing yourself it's all about the interaction for me man i just because being in the underground and you know my girlfriend tells me all the time it wouldn't be the underground if everybody was watching you guys, and I get that too. Right, but right. It's just you know when when you see a guy that that's pumped out twenty five songs in a in a thirty day month and he's only got two hundred followers on SoundCloud, I'm always just kind of like, oh, that doesn't really make sense to me. When you got somebody that's just a DJ and he's got nine K, I'm like, okay, well. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I wholeheartedly kind of agree with you on that. It's like. Damn, Lord, I mean, at what point do I get some form of recognition up in here? You know what I'm saying? For the amount of work that I've put in, I, I don't know. And it's just, that's kind of me possibly being salty a little bit. But yeah, it, it does seem like sometimes it's a it's a popularity contest. And those people, oh, for sure. those people who are, you know, OK, I can spin tracks really, you know, really well, but I don't have any productions of my own. Somehow they have way more clout than a completely mastermind production genius that you know no one no one's heard of apparently he's not getting any clout it makes no sense to me but exactly. I think that's more so once you get into like being you know actual producer like you get how much goes into you know creating music so you know we have a, a better appreciation on that end so I, it might be a little biased but hey that's just that's just how i feel <laughs> for sure and, and I, don't, I don't i don't want anybody's takeaway to to be that i, I don't like just the, the straight dj because i do man and, and a lot of my, my homies here in dallas I, I a lot of guys are just djs like just my have boys fun Rhythm squad uh chase and andy i mean and then pats that's another guy from down here that this is a great dj but those are guys that you know in 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 few months i'm like let me teach you how to produce let's get you doing this too so you can have some original stuff to play out too and i that's it that's that's all i got i'm excited <laughs> for that question because i <laughs> i wanted to talk about it more openly than just in a tweet like yeah no i feel that you should be able to you know because a lot of people will take you know what you say in like a hundred and I don't know. I think they upgraded the characters, but you know that small little fucking paragraph that you tweet, and they'll right. you know they'll damnify you for it. And it's like, well, I don't think you really got the whole like aspect of it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, back into the mind of a producer. So you got a blank, you know, doll open uh, FL Studio project. You got a go to like VST or piece of hardware that you kind of use in every in every track. Yeah. So I'm. Uh... I wouldn't say I'm a minimalistic producer, but I, I, I suppose in a way I kind of am. I got, I have Doc FL Studios and Massive. Interesting. Regular Massive, not even Massive X, huh? It's huge on the VSDs. I, I, I make it work with what I, my main serum or Vital, or which is a newer one that has come out, but some of these more powerful synths. But I think it's just one that I'm incredibly comfortable in, and I haven't gotten to a point yet where I have a sound in my head that I can't make in Massive. So... Uh, yeah, that's 
Nice. Does, does 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 LSD count as a VST? Because that's probably my go-to. <laughs> that's probably my go-to if I'm getting ready to sit down for a big uh, production set. You know what's like funny? I've actually I've been uh, been researching like the whole microdose scene and things like that, and I was like, hmm, I might might open myself up to something like that because I'm gonna be real. I'm not gonna sit down in front of a computer on 200 mics of acid. That shit's gonna be doing things. <laughs> But <laughs> I could fuck yeah, around and try and microdose and open some stuff up, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. People think I'm crazy because I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll get up at nine in the morning on a day I got nothing to do and take two tabs and sit in my computer for 12 hours. It's just, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's different for everybody. And I mean, uh, back to just the original question about VSTs, I think you can, you can get it done with whatever you got. I don't, and then it almost goes back to my answer about GarageBand too. Like you don't have to spend all this money on serum and, oh, I got this crazy big crusher that costs $55 and it'll make this sound like this. I'm like, okay, but I could do that with a, with a stock FL plug-in if I try hard enough, so. Yo, that's one thing that I've been wanting to tell a lot of people and fuck it, I'm gonna just say it now. Learn your DAW inside and out. Learn yes, what your sir. fucking stock plugins do, what each knob does, because people don't understand, these motherfucking DAWs today are so powerful. Jesus Christ. So powerful. <laughs> it's, 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 literally, it's literally a tool. If, if music is the product, the tool to get it done is, is a DAW, man. And they're, they're built for you to be able to use to get stuff done. So, I mean, even a stock DAW, if you, like you say, if you know what you're doing, that's the hard thing about a DAW for most people, I think, is the learning curve. Anytime you get into a DAW, you're looking at it like, well, what the fuck do any of these buttons do? <laughs> yep. When, when, yeah. I, when I first got into FL, that was the first thing I did was, I mean, found a YouTube video. That's where I send everybody learning how to produce. Go on YouTube, find a six-hour class where somebody teaches you what every button does in FL. I mean, I was sitting there with a notebook taking notes, watching YouTube videos for months before I even tried to drop something into the doll. Nice. For real. Yeah, man. Learn. Read the fucking manual. <laughs> Everything, yeah, I, man. Yeah. Everything. Um, so I guess that kind of jumps into, we can segue into my next question. Um, if you could give yourself some advice 10 years ago or advice to an up and coming producer that's listening to this show today, what's some, what's some advice that you'd give yourself for that up and coming producer? Oh man, I would say just, just know yourself, know, know who you are. And then kind of try to block out a lot of that other stuff. Cause when you're producing, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of scrutiny put on music, I feel like. And it's, it's a very personal thing. Like, I finally got to a point where I stopped making music that I thought other people would like and just started making stuff that I want to listen to. So that's why I don't think I, I really find myself stuck to just making one genre or, or you know, one BPM. Because if, if I wake up one day feeling like I want to make some 85 BPM, that's what I would do. And I, I think that's, that's my advice for upcoming producers, man. Just be yourself. If you, if you have an idea, try to make it happen. Definitely. Yeah, it's just extremely easy to get caught up in the uh, the hype, you know? And the, the next big thing, the next big wave, whatever everyone should be following. And uh, a lot of producers get caught up in that. All right, I'm going to make a fucking 140 because that's what's popular now. Okay, halftime DMB is cool right now. Let me try and make it. And then it all sounds like, you know, generic, but it's like... Well, if you just kind of worked on you and your own sound design, you could like use your own techniques and imbibe your soul into 
these genres, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I want to hear. And, that's, and with your mix and with your music, I could hear you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and that's definitely. what it's about. I really appreciate I really appreciate that too, because that's something I definitely have been striving for in the last, you know, three, four, five months is just forgetting about trying to make dubstep and just figuring out the music that I want to listen to and getting in my car and just, or well, you know, getting in my car later to listen to it, but yeah. getting in my DAW and just making whatever I feel like making that day. I feel that. And I think it helped me a lot. I think also in the experimental base, I hate trying to classify left field experimental bass because if you call it experimental bass, somebody who makes experimental bass will say, no, that's dubstep, but whatever. <laughs> in, in, this, in this little niche genre, I think there's a lot of influence from, I mean, Liquid Stranger, the Don, all the way down to guys like Vector and Black Carl and Angelic Root and all the Spicy Boys. And then even yeah. below that, you got Wubbaholics and Headbang Society, who I'm with. So I think there's so many people in the weird bass scene that all have their own sound or their own genre that they kind of bring to the table. And I think a lot of the next upcoming wave, man, there's, there's so many guys that are just not one genre producers anymore because we have so many good influences above us that we're, we listen to every day. Yeah, seriously. I agree with that. Um, so let's let's jump into what you got going on. I know 2020 was fucking fuckier for everyone. Hopefully <laughs> 2021 is looking a little bit better. I don't know. You gonna take the vaccine? How you feel about that? <laughs> oh man, if I can get I I just had COVID about a month ago for the second time. I had it uh, <laughs> December December of 2019. I had it before it was popular. So y'all can y'all can put that in the record books for Thick Boy. I had COVID before. <laughs> Isn't that wild how it just like kind of got cool? Like it seemed like everyone started catching it. Like what the fuck was that? A whole, that's 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 a whole different question. But yeah, well, what do you got going on for 2021? What's what's Thick Boy got going for the future? You got some shows coming up, some new music or streams? Yeah, so so uh, I streamed real heavy 2020, and I think I kind of got to a point where it was getting a little repetitive, even for me, like my 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 sets, where I would get to a point where I was like, damn, this set kind of sounds a lot like the last set. Yeah. And so I think for at least the first half of 2021, I really want to just focus on making a lot of music because I think it would be awesome, you know, when, when full shows really do come back, I'd rather take five months off now. And then when everything's back live, I can be like, well, hey, here's a full set and 85% of this is my music. You know what I mean? I think that would yeah. be really awesome. So that's, I think 2021, that, that's my goal is to just get to a place where I have a lot of my own music ready to go when shows come back. Fuck yeah, I feel that. Um, so here's your, uh, here's the part that I enjoy, uh, simply because the rabbit hole dives a little deeper, but um, if there's some artists that you could recommend, um, I know this is the season finale, so I'm gonna be reaching out to all the artists for season three, but if there's some people that you could recommend to be on future episodes of the podcast for Third Coast Space Radio, who would you recommend? Hell yeah, man, I'm about to rattle off a bunch of names, so so get ready. I'll start with, with one of my favorite people in the world. He's got an EP dropping in two days. He goes by Use. Chase is a great guy, man. He makes amazing music. He's another one of those guys that's, you know, we're... We're pretty much on the same level, but I'm inspired by that guy every day. And then my homie Sky Sweet, the queen of deep dub, not low. My boy Matheny, Vulcan, Viscous. I mean, I could go all day naming people. Masta, Cephalo. I got so many people around me that I've met just from making music that, uh, I mean, are just great dudes and who also make really awesome music. It's great. The music scene, there's, there's just so much going good for it right now, I think. 
Hell yeah, man. No, I'm definitely going to get with you after this and write all those names down so that I can reach out to them. Um, it's just, like I said, this rabbit hole keeps diving deeper and deeper. And it's just so amazing to be able to find all these artists and listen to their, you know, their original music. It's funny because it's at the point now to where like 90% of the people that I interview or me at Luna interviews, we don't even, you know, we, we haven't met in real life yet. So it's yeah. uh, it's interesting cool, uh, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, so where can also, people... Also, a, a, super big, a super big fan of the show and, and huge props to you for doing this, man. And it, with, through these suggestions, I hope I can get some guys to come on here for you that'll show you some more weird music because the... Man, the, the experimental bass scene is going crazy right now. Dude, that's all I'm trying to get down with right now. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to dive deeper and deeper to where at some point I'm fucking in New Zealand listening to a goat. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, Whoa. bro. <laughs> like, how did I get that's here, awesome. bro? <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so where can people find Thick Boy if they want to look you up on social media? Where can they find uh, your music, you know, your pages that you go through, things like that? What you're at, bro? Yeah, for sure. Y'all can find me on every social media at ThickBoyWubs, W-U-B-S, at the end of the Thick Boy. Uh, on Facebook, we, we just started a Facebook page for the Thick Boy Project, and that's just Thick Boy. So if you search Thick Boy on Facebook, it'll pop up. Uh, Thick Boy on SoundCloud, too. And then uh, my most recent EP is out on Headbang Society. So Headbang Society on SoundCloud has some of my music as well. Hell yeah, man. Yo, Connor, I really appreciate you for your time, man. Um, it's been been really, really good blast. I enjoyed your music. I enjoyed this interview. I'm going to go ahead and let you get back to it. Uh, but here is where you can say your final thoughts to whoever may be listening, boss. Final thoughts, man. Thanks, everybody who's listening right now for being here. I appreciate y'all for listening to my mix and the interview, listening to me talk some shit for a half hour. <laughs> stay tuned. I, I don't know if I'm last on the episode, but stay tuned to Third Coast Base, y'all, man. There's there's good stuff going on over here. And I've, I've listened to a lot of EDM podcasts and stuff, and I'd say you you, you give a really good interview, man. It's it, it was nice to be a part of it. Fuck yeah, man. I really appreciate that, bro. Yo, thanks again for your time, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yo, so there you have it. Third Coast Space Radio, Season 2, Episode 20. Be sure to like us and the respective artists involved. Yo, the season finale. We really want to thank you guys for sticking it all the way through. Yo, happy Valentine's Day, bitches. Be sure to love one another. Peace. Blah, blah, blah.